Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 17. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am extremely excited to introduce my special guest today, Warren Tracy. Warren, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Buckled up tight for a fun ride, Mark. All right. It's great to have you here. And I know Warren just rolled into his house from being at a a trade show all week, so uh, I appreciate you taking the time before you even get a chance to uh, rest and have a talk with me today. Well, you're very welcome, and I appreciate the invitation, Mark. You're welcome. Warren woke up one morning with his wife, asking him, what were you doing at 3 o'clock this morning? He didn't remember being up. She said that he was at his desk, writing something down. When he looked at the pad, he saw the words, Busted Knuckle Garage, and an idea was born. That was over 17 years ago. Today, the Busted Knuckle brand can be found in all sorts of automotive venues with over 250 different products that can be found at Warren's website, BustedKnuckleGarage.com and other retail and online venues. Always the car guy, Warren is a true entrepreneur at heart. So Warren, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you please take some time and share some of your history, your business, your interests, and your passion for automobiles? Well, thanks for that question, Mark. And uh, like most of your uh, interviewees, um, I can honestly say I've always been a car guy. Um, one of my first businesses was uh, collecting hubcaps off the side of the road where the potholes were and reselling them in the spring with a nice coat of wax. But several years ago, my wife and I literally fell into a very interesting job where I found myself out here in Arizona living and working at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And for any of your listeners who've ever had that visit before, you'll understand you can't quite get a car to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. So <laughs> I suspect it may have been out of some type of... Uh, subconscious urge or desire, but uh, back in the summer of 1996, indeed, living at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, I woke up in the morning and go to my work, and my wife said, what were you doing at 3 o'clock over at your desk? I said, I have no idea. I didn't even know I was up last night. So we both walked over to the desk, and there sitting on a piece of paper, which I still have in my possession, was a was a sketch. I'm not, not quite a cartoonist, but I'm a fair doodler. I'm kind of a midland doodler, and uh, there was a drawing with the name The Busted Knuckle Garage on it and a hand holding a wrench with a little oil rag wrapped around it and complete with a tagline, Repair and Despair Under One Roof. Now, if any of your listeners have ever hiked or ridden a mule in and out of the Grand Canyon, you know you got one thing on your hands, and that is time to think about stuff. So I had, uh, I had several hours every hike, and uh, over a year or so I thought hard about this experience. It was obviously um, a little bit out of the norm. And uh, we went ahead and uh, made the decision to at least file a trademark on the property, which, which I always recommend, recommend to students that, uh, that I teach to. We uh, filed for a trademark on the property, which wasn't without challenges, given that we had to get our paperwork on time onto the back of a mule, and the cowboy had to drive 80 miles to Flagstaff, Arizona, to get it in a FedEx box. And Anyways, lo and behold, we got the, uh, we got the, license, or the trademark on that, about 12-month process, and uh, a year later, we manufactured a few little pieces of uh, wood wrenches and threw them in a Hemmings ad. And uh, gosh, Mark, we actually sold quite a few of them, more than I'd ever expected. So back to my wife again. She said, you know, life ain't no dress rehearsal. So we uh, 
through caution of the wind, mortgage of the house, ran up the credit cards, and we launched Busted Knuckle Garage Gift Company full-time in uh, January of 2001. Well, what an amazing story. And in fact, you had to put that paperwork on a mule, one horsepower or one mule power, and get that thing up the side of the Grand Canyon, and a cowboy had to deliver the papers. That is a, a wonderful story. Had, had you always been a car guy and you'd always enjoyed automobiles? Absolutely. You know, I think the the fun for, you know, our era, you know, and, and I don't want to say that I'm an old guy. Nobody wants to admit to that. I'm I'm 57 years old. I'm proud to say that. A 57 was a good year for Chevrolets. It was a good year for people, I think. That's right. And uh, you and I grew up with slot cars, and we grew up with, you know, assembling, you know, uh, AMT models and Revell models in our basements and, uh, you know, putting them together and spray painting them. And gosh, I had a I had a model collection that was beyond belief, and I remember being a kid, you know, taking my $2 down to the Monroe Toy Shop and getting Corgi toys and Matchbox, and and I have to say now, you know, I don't want to admit to any kind of OCD tendencies, but I still have all my original cars with their boxes and their price tags on them. I, oh, my gosh. I just, yeah, I know <laughs> I wasn't one of those kids that let you play with it, Mark. I would have said, go get your own. I was one of those kids as well. In fact, I was just telling my last interviewee that I still have the first Matchbox by Lesney Jaguar XKE in the box oh. that my dad bought me at the hardware store for a quarter. Let's talk later about that, okay? You can't have it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, we're, you cut to the chase. No bids. That one's staying off eBay. All right. Fair enough. Well, sounds like we shared a lot. Uh, we're about the same age, so uh, a lot of the same youth. And uh, what part of the country did you grow up in? Um, I grew up, well, this is actually kind of car-related. Uh, as we get talking about maybe my first car, I grew up in upstate New York, just outside of Rochester. You know, your favorite tools then uh, were a torch and a hammer. And I guess a hose. You had to get the salt off the car first before you took the torch and the hammer to anything you were working on. I have a friend who calls that a gas axe. A gas axe. I, yeah. I wish I had known. I don't need one anymore. Arizona's been very good to me for turning bolts. Yes. But growing up in upstate New York, we had no garage um, on our property growing up. And, uh, you know, there's something about a cold wrench, uh, a night lying on your back in a pool of ice-cold water, and trying to complete a job. I was the luckiest guy in the world when I took a job at an ESO station at the age of 15. I had a heated lift to work with. I mean, wow. that was just... That was a gypsy in the palace experience for me all the way around. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a, a wonderful childhood. One of the things I like to do here, Warren, is before we drive further down the journey in your life, is talk about a success quote, something that's been instrumental in forming your life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here at Cars Yeah. So, Warren, take the wheel. Well, thank you, Mark. You know, and I've got so many of them, really, to be honest with you, and, and I'm kind of a freak about this. Uh, for the 12 years that I worked and lived down at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, I actually put an inspirational quote on the board every day. And selfishly, maybe it was for myself, but I, I feel like all of us, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what your calling is, your passion, your interest, I feel that everybody needs to be, have that inspiration in their life every day. And it, it, it may be secular, and there may be some divinity attached to it, don't really care, but I think without a flashlight, we're all lost. And I, I think inspirational quotes are a, a metaphor for a flashlight of sorts to take us down life's road. So, um, and I still do it to this day. Every day I walk into the busted uncle garage and the whiteboard, I, I throw something up there. And this is more of an entrepreneurial quote that I adopted years ago. And, it, it, and it's the helpful piece 
for those thinking about a business or considering a business, and you know, it's climbing that wall of fear that we that we always have a tough time with. And it's a quote by one of my favorite authors, Ayn Rand, um, who wrote, of course, we're familiar with Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead. And she said, quote, throughout the centuries, there were men who took first steps down new roads armed with nothing but their own vision. And I think that speaks to a lot of us. Oh, it really does. And I love the fact that you put inspirational quotes up. I think it means a lot. I have a uh, a PDF book that you can get at carsyad.com. It's called Filler Up. Some images I've taken over the years of really unique gas caps on vintage and race cars. And every page has an inspirational quote from somebody that is uh, related to the car world. But I, too, like Ayn Rand and uh, enjoy those books. That's a great quote. So thanks for sharing that with us. That's perfect. Absolutely. Perfect for what we're doing here. How have you incorporated that particular quote into your life and into your business and your passion for cars? Well, as I said earlier, the, the, the thing that really resonated with me when I, when I first picked up on that particular quote from Ayn Rand was this, that the entrepreneurial experience, number one, can be a very, very lonely affair. And, and I think anybody out there listening who's had the experience or is even wading into the entrepreneurial water, they certainly understand that. So there's many tools available to us to overcome our fears. But one of them is acknowledging every day that you aren't indeed alone, that people before you have done this over and over and over again, which is what this quote's directed about. You know, the fact that, you know, there's been through the centuries men who took first steps with nothing but their own vision. And you think about this for a minute, you know, the, whether it's the Disney story or the Steve Jobs in modern-day America, these guys, even though we see the success on the surface, we have to know at some point in time they had to move their idea outside of their head into the physical world. And I think that requires a tremendous amount of focus and understanding that faith in what you're doing, faith in other things. I mean, capitalism, in, to me, as a faith-based system, trumps the fears you're having. You have to clear that hurdle. If you do not clear the hurdle of fear, you are stuck. You will move sideways or backwards the rest of your professional career. Very eloquent and very well stated and uh, so true, so true. Uh, a lot of what I'm going through right now with Cars yeah, just starting this launch and way back when, when you're at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and having those thoughts while you're sitting on the back of those, were they mules or horses that you were riding? They're mules, and, you, you know, it's an endearing way of describing a mule, but it's a horse with a Down syndrome is what the cowboys told me. It's it's safer, though, I think. Isn't that the reason they use mules? They're, they're very safe. If they were a car, they'd be the, they'd be the Volvo, if you will, of the, of the 70s and 80s. They've got terrific four-wheel drive traction, and the fact is when you look at a mule versus a horse, the physiology of its of sorts, it's perfectly geared for a Grand Canyon in the sense that their eyes can actually see their back feet, which a horse cannot do. Wow. Um, so they're they're actually very, very safe transportation. We call them the Grand Canyon Taxi. There you go. Oh, that's a great story. Can you share with us, Warren, that moment in your life that instigated your passion for cars? Tell us about that pivotal time you really realized that you were a car guy. Well, I'll tell you, that's a great question. I'll tell you, the time I really got fired up was going to car shows with my dad back in Rochester, New York. I'll never forget. I started going to the car shows with my dad when I was probably six or maybe seven years old at the old Rochester War Memorial. And this is a show where the dealers would show up. You know, General Motors would bring all their products and Ford would bring their products. And as a kid, think about this. You know, 
your first six years in life, you probably had some experience with a toy box where you'd wake up in the morning and lift the lid and pull out all these things to play with. In this car show was a toy box I had never, ever imagined. The, you know, the shiny chrome, the paint, the music, and I just feel my, I couldn't even hardly read. I had bags and bags of literature I'd take home. And, and to me, it was what any other kid might consider his circus or his fair or his carnival. This was mine. This was my toy box. This was my carnival. I could go see all the new stuff. I felt like a, you know, I felt like an adult. I mean, I'm talking to the car guys, you know, and and they were polite enough to talk back to me. That that was really it right there. I just I got sucked in, just sucked in. Well, those of us who grew up and were basically born with a passion for cars, who had parents that took us to those shows, were really really fortunate because. It did light the fire, and perhaps those marketers way back then, even though you were many years away from purchasing your first car, they were planting those seeds to keep those car manufacturers in business for the next 10, 15, 20, 50 years. So what a fun story. Maybe that's it. And, you know, and the follow-up to that was if my dad had to take his, he was a Chevy guy, and if he had to take his car into the repair shop, I, I, I wanted to go. You know, think about now, who wants to sit in a repair shop and wait for a car, Right. I mean, that was a hobby. I would love to do that. I couldn't wait for a breakdown. You know, you look at all those beautiful things on the service and parts wall, and I wanted to be there. I wanted to be. I think, in, I think going back in time, if you know, I, I would have loved to have had a car dealership. I think that would have just been the cat's meow. Wonderful. So, Warren, what I want to do now is to take a look at your journey, the roads that you've driven down, and really crawl under the hood and maybe get our hands a little dirty. Would you share with us a big challenge or even a huge failure that has really pushed you to your breaking point. But more importantly, what did you do to overcome that situation and come out of it on the top? Well, okay, do you want a failure from today or last hour or <laughs> something a little more historical? Right? Well, whatever you want to talk about. All right, all right. Well, I'll, I'll throw another church, I'll throw another quote in here, uh, if I could, uh, from Winston Churchill. And his, his definition of success was this. He said that success is moving from failure to failure to failure to failure and never losing a sense of enthusiasm. And I, th I think that's key as we get to the end of this little story is what helps you through the, again, the fear, the trial, the tribulations, is you've got to maintain your enthusiasm in a positive uh, out outlook. Now, I think my biggest challenge that I got involved with with the Busted Knuckle Garage, and it's every entrepreneur's dream come true, the big order finally came. After seven years of slogging uphill, well, we had been contacted by a company, which I'll leave unnamed. Um, we still have a relationship with them. It's very healthy. And they thought they'd take a chance on our little unknown brand and put us in their in their flyer, and out it went. And we exceeded their projection of sales 20 times over. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. It, Mark, it was a significant uh, number. Uh, back at that time, we had a thermal fax machine. I was changing the rolls twice after dinner, and we were doing somewhere between 1,000 and I think we peaked at 1,500 orders one night on a fax machine. <laughs> and wow. it's a great story because everybody, again, from an entrepreneurial point of view, you think, wow, we, we got it made. We finally we got a hit. We got a, a large company taking a look at us. We're having a great sell-through. And then you learn all about cash flow. Hmm. <laughs> you learn all about cash flow. You learn that the success of you keep shipping these items out and keeping your customer happy and then you realize, wow, I don't think I did a very good job negotiating terms here. I'm not going to get paid for another three months. 
And wow, all these guys have been pulling product from. I got to pay them in about thirty days. Mm-hmm. And yes, I've been there. <laughs> you've been there. And then once the cash is gone, um, and you got a couple employees hanging around on Thursday afternoon looking for a white envelope, um, it's pretty scary stuff. And I would say that was probably one of the biggest challenges I had to move forward with. And this, this is just uh, just prior to the recession. And everybody out there knows if if you need to borrow money, you borrow from a bank when you don't need it, because that's when they'll loan it to you. So we had to go look for some hard money um, to carry us through on that. Money's a tough subject, whether it's a married couple, a single, um, retirees, whatever. Money is a tough subject. And when it comes to a small business, it is, is basically your blood in the veins. So um, I got spanked pretty tough, um, but we got through it. And um, I'm not saying that situation doesn't come and go. It was a real education to me, and keeping your enthusiasm about you that the world has not come to an end. You need to, you just need to define some uh, alternatives and move on. That is a great quote by Winston Churchill. I think I'll put that one up on my wall as well. I like that. Yeah. Warren, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum, and I'm going to ask you to share a story when you had an aha moment, that moment when you realized that your business was really going to make it. You may have just told us one of those with your uh, major customer who was sending you that many orders a day. Uh, maybe there's another one in there. Was there a moment in time where you realized, okay, this is going to work? I, I think it's. I think we're going to make it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a different story than uh, than just prior, which which I was more or less discussing a wholesale. Uh, activity, which has, of course, been been the quest for some time outside of our licensing operations. But for several years, you know, I used to throw the uh, the fold-up table in the back of the Volvo and uh, pack as many things as I could in there, and I'd drive to every good guy show or NHRA show I could find and set up the easy up and the picnic table and throw my goods out on there. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was doing a show with my brother-in-law back in uh, Louisville at an NHRA event, which is arguably one of the larger hot rod gatherings in the country. I think we had 14,000 cars at that event uh, that particular year. And we were having an okay show, the first or second day of a five-day show. We we're, we're doing okay. But then these two guys approached the booth, and they stopped from about 15 feet away. And you could see their eye movement, kind of taking it all in, looking at it. And finally, the guy reads the sign out loud, Busted Knuckle Garage, Repair and Despair Under One Roof. And they both start laughing their heads off. And the guy who read it says to his buddy, he says, Man, that is me. And then there's this pause. His buddy looks at him and he says, That ain't you. That's everybody. <laughs> and I thought, Wow, okay, I think I got something here. That's going to get me up tomorrow morning. That was my aha moment. You'd, you had hit a vein that oil runs through in every person who ever has played with a car. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or yelled at a car or thrown a wrench at a car. Well, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to feel like, you know, anybody who's picked up a tool has probably busted a knuckle, and that, that's five or six of us anyways. Uh, I think there's a few more than that, but what a great yeah. aha moment. That's wonderful when, when your customers give you that. You know, the feedback is wonderful. So You bet. Great. Absolutely. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first car, and what kind of fun did you have with that car? Maybe trips, modifications, restoration, adventures, and memories? Wow, really? You're supposed to have fun with your first car? This is new. (laughs) (laughs) What a concept. Yes, Um, you are. I got in trouble. Um, I I hauled home a car without my parents' permission before I had a driver's license, and I know a a lot of the guys out there have done that. 
Um, again, let's go back to upstate New York. I had a, a, an older buddy in high school, and he was all about MGB Roadsters. And, man, i got to have an MGB Roadster. So a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend had one for sale. It was 300 bucks, and it was beautiful British racing green, had the spoked wires on it, black leather interior, everything about this car I loved for $300, and I was 15 years old. So I kind of snuck it into the driveway with my buddy's help, and the fun started with, I thought I was going to learn something about SU carburetors and MGBs and Lucas wiring. And actually, Mark, I learned a lot more about carpentry, saws, roofing tar, because there was no foundation. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Car, <laughs> I had to make, it was a, it was a Flintstone mobile is what it was. Uh, because of the New York, upstate New York winters. So I actually built a pretty nice MB, MGB floor out of, uh, of three-quarter-inch plywood. And um, so I, now you're telling me that was fun. So that's, that's my story on my first car. I had a guest on the other day that had almost the same, same story. He was driving down the road in his first car, and he hit a big bump, and the whole floor fell right out, and he saw it slide across the freeway and looked oh, down and could no. see the road spinning by. So he had a Flintstone car, too, and he grew up back east as well. So. Yeah, that salt is harsh. Yeah, and he had fun with liability, which is a whole new dimension to that game. So, good oh, goodness, yeah. Well, that <laughs> that's a great story. Now, how about seller's remorse? Is, is there a car that you've had in your past that you really wish you had that car back? Well, you know, we as car guys, we ask each other this question constantly when we get together. And I usually respond to that question by saying, can I first tell you about the cars I wish I'd sold earlier? But... <laughs> But that's a different topic. Yes. And yes, there is. If you can indulge me for a few minutes, it's actually a very nice story. But I had a, I had a young kid working for me for a couple of years. He was 19 years old. Down, this is back down at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And he was a very gifted kid, and uh, he told me his dad was coming to visit. He was going to hike in, and I was very much looking forward to meeting his father and, and talking to his father about what a wonderful boy he had raised and what a good kid Bob was and so on. And uh, his father came down, and uh, he started, we started getting into cars. And he said to me, he goes, oh, yeah, he says, I got a car to talk about. He said, uh, I was in my second tour in Nam. He was a, uh, he was a surgeon uh, for the U.S. Army. He said, yeah, I was on my second tour in Nam. I had signed up again. And it was pretty tough stuff. And he said I, to myself, if I survive the second tour, I don't care what happens, but if I survive the second tour, when I get off the boat in Oakland, California, I'm by myself a new Porsche. Hmm. So he did. He bought a brand-new Porsche. You know, this is still servicemen's wages, so it was the 912. But mm -hmm. it was that beautiful Steve McQueen slate gray. It had the optional five-speed in it and a couple other upgrades on it. So we started talking about this car. So I was very familiar with it. And uh, anyways, uh, lo and behold, several years later, unfortunately, my friend, the doctor, who we, we called Bob Med, by the way, because his son's actual name was Bob Ed, not to be confused, um, he passed away, and uh, long story made short, I was able to acquire the car, and I remember his son, Bob Ed, turning over to me and saying, you know, for some strange reason, Warren, I think you were always meant to have my dad's car. Oh, wow. And uh, I've never had a vanity plate in my life, but I put Bob Med on the back. I told DMV, if you can't give me a Bob Med plate, I can't own the car. So I, <laughs> I had his nickname on the car, and I, and I drove it for a number of years, and we did a soft restoration on it, kind of brought it up to snuff. And then, uh, you know, back to cash flow and the decisions you have to make. Um, we were in a pinch with Busted Knuckle Garage, and we needed to raise some money. So 
um, I really, unfortunately, I had, I had to sell the car. Yeah. Um, but I did it with good memories, and, um, and yeah, there's some remorse about that. But uh, the memories don't go away, and they still have all the value that uh, they had the day I got the car. So it, it's all good. Well, the memories are always there. And, boy, how many servicemen and women came back from World War II, Vietnam, all the different campaigns, and said, if I survive this, I'm going to get myself something special. You bet. My dad, his first sports car was a 48 MGTC. He sold it to a man who was going to give it to his son, who was coming back from Vietnam. And fortunately, his son never made it back from Vietnam. But that car sat in that man's garage forever. I think he just decided to keep it. But those stories are are certainly gut-wrenching. But uh, it was nice that you were able to be a caretaker for that vehicle and hopefully... Whoever owns it now is taking care of Bob Mid's car. You bet. That's great. So, Warren, this is a fun part of our talk. I call it the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners very quick blips of the throttle answers. So, are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be, as they say. Okay. Okay, so here we go. What is the best automotive advice you have ever received? Well, it's very cliche, but it, my the best automotive advice ever told me was keep it between the ditches. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good All right, one. That's full, full throttle. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Yeah, I, I would like to do that. Um, it's not like we run a, a boot camp over here, but I I still think there's a tremendous amount of thought that should be given to virtues and um you know i think we've kind of strayed from that um over time but i i think dedication is a very important key to success um and when i say dedication that would involve things like effort and perseverance and in look mark it's it's, it's this to me with business that contributes to success there's two primary elements i think that ensure that you're quote going to make it and one is perseverance the other element is timing. Sometimes you just got to hit it. And I think both of us know, and for everyone listening, perseverance we control every day of our lives, every moment. Timing, we have nothing to say. We have nothing to say about the timing. You know, some call it luck. Some can call it divine intervention. Some can call it business acumen when they make it. I don't think we have any control over the timing. I think it's all about our personal efforts every day, as as described by discipline and dedication and focus and so on. Very well said. Excellent. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners, maybe a website, suppliers, restoration shops, that you're really fond of? Well, I'm kind of I'm kind of old school on this one, um, and you'd be surprised because I know you're you're deeper and deeper into the technology every day, as most businesses need to be, um, as I am. And I'm not trying to plug these guys, but I'll tell you what, I still really enjoy sitting down with a Hemmings Motor News. Mm, Yes, great publications. I don't know what that is, but there's something about it comes in the mail, it's an inch thick, it's a New York phone book, and I just want to sit and flip the pages. And I'll tell you what, I get a lot of ideas out of that. Just looking at pictures, I don't have to read anything. Just looking at the pictures and the advertising and... It really uh, puts it really puts blinders on you in a in a comfortable and endearing way. So again, it's not to be a plug, but it's a personal for me. I get a lot of ideas out of that. It's an idea book for car guys. It truly is. I believe it is as well. I love their publications, so I'm I'm happy to plug those guys. I think they've done a wonderful job over the years. So you bet Hemmings for sure. 
Warren, would you share a book with us that you've maybe recently enjoyed? Oh, man, have I got one for you. I, and, Mark, I don't know if you've heard of this book. It was uh, it was published, uh, oh, gosh, it might be even 10 years old or older now, but the book is called The Last Open Road. Oh, yes, I have that book. You have that book by B.S. Levy, and for those uninitiated... Oh, yes, Mr. Levy, he's written a, a whole gaggle of books, and he is a character. I usually read history and business, and, you know, I've, I've read... The, I, and, I, and I have, you know, the big picture book of cars and all that. I've got a nice car and motorcycle library, but... This is the only novel I've read in 20 years, and it's just a beautiful coming-of-age story, you know, about a 19-year-old New Jersey mechanic and how he's just swept into what I call the, you know, the upper-crust world of sports car racing back in the late 50s. And, and i got to ask you or your listeners, I mean, what book, what book could you possibly find that mentions an Allard J2X brake job? I mean, really? <laughs> really. <laughs> That's the detail this guy dials into, and... He just took me back to uh, to my childhood and kind of you know coming of age, going from love cars, no driver's license, to hey, I got a sports car and I can drive after sunset. I mean, it's it's just terrific. Yeah, Bert is a he is a character. I first met him at Road America. I was racing vintage cars, and he is something else. He would literally walk around the pits and ask people if he could drive their cars on the racetrack. And amazing how many people would say okay. Really? Yeah, he's he is a wonderful guy. I love all. I have all his books. So I'll make sure that I post that up on the show notes. In fact, I need to give him a call. He would be a great person to have on Cars Yeah. Absolutely would be, I'm sure. You can find all these resources at carsyeah.com slash Warren Tracy. We'll put those up on the show notes page so that you can uh, get links to all of them. So Warren, now we're up to the checkered flag. And this is the question that some people get a little stumped on and some people, they have the answer before I finish asking the question. I call it a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, something that you couldn't sell to buy other cars with, money was no object, what would it be? And more importantly, why? Okay, that is a very good question. Let's let's start with the car. And I've, I've got this narrowed down, and I've had it narrowed down for a number of years. I would get a 61, 62 Porsche, but not Porsche anybody wants. I would go for the Carmen hardtop, or what they affectionately called the notchback. Are you familiar with that car? Oh, yes. I love 356 Porsches. It's basically a 356B, but they, they welded a hardtop in place. Or actually, I think it's bolted on the front end and, and, and welded on the backside. I just think that car is the greatest ugly duckling they ever put out the factory door, and I would just love to have one. And here's why. That car represents, I think, very closely what my business is. Uh, Busted Knuckle Garage, we're, we're kind of an outsider. You know, we're not, we're not quite popular like the big guys, but we're, we're part of the movement, like the Notchback's part of the Porsche family. We are in the car business, but, my gosh, who makes herbal skincare for guys? I mean, really? So the car, to me, it's, it's like my business. It's an outsider. It's not quite popular, but it has great, upside potential just like we do that's a great choice and i loved your why that's why i i always ask that question is the why because there's a great story behind every dream car and yours yours is quite special so thanks for sharing that with us very symbolic for me to look at that car and, and connect my business to it well i've been a fan of 356s my whole life they are just beautiful cars i hope to have one in my garage someday 
Warren, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today, and I really have enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for taking us along your journey. If you would give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that notchback, and then let our (laughs) listeners know what is the best way that they can learn more about you in your business, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, very good. I thought about this for a little bit, Mark, and several years ago, going back to the mid-90s, a, a rather interesting story was laid in front of me, and it was written by a staff writer at Forbes magazine, and he was telling the story of going to visit a friend of his, uh, a young man in his mid to late 30s who was in the hospital dying of terminal cancer. And he went in there to see his friend, and his friend, unfortunately, didn't have many hours left. And they were sitting there in the late hours of the morning, and the staff writer, whose name I can't recall, looked at his buddy, and he said, I, you know, it really isn't the time for questions, but I'd like to ask you, if you had it to do over again, what would be different? And this guy, without batting an eye, missing a beat, he looked him straight away, and he said, I would have been more generous. Hmm. And I think that's a lesson for all of us, and it doesn't have to involve money. If we can give other people our time by being a better listener, the things you're doing with your program here to try and inspire others, I think part of our our search mission every day should be, how can I be more generous? How can I be more giving? And I, I think that ties in with our business life. I think that ties in with our personal life. Uh, and unfortunately, I think in a me-centered culture that we're unfortunately drifting towards, in my opinion, I think this is something that needs to get back on our radar real fast. Oh, yes. So anyways, that, that, that's kind of my parting shot there. And, um, you know, to the mechanics of, of how to get a hold of me, I, I would welcome a phone call anytime from anybody. I, I, I do enjoy talking with people, as you may note. And uh, I can be reached at uh, here in northern Arizona, in Prescott, beautiful Prescott, Arizona, at 928 708 0897. Uh, my email is quite simple. It's uh, Warren, W A R R E N, at in bustedknucklegarage.com. Warren at bustedknucklegarage.com. And uh, I'll show my site uh, one, one last time for the day. It's simply bustedknucklegarage.com. Fabulous. Well, thank you for that amazing, inspirational comment and story. If everyone could give a little bit more, and I think you hit the nail on the head with what I'm trying to do here at Cars Jazz, is inspire. And your story today has been incredibly inspiring. And I, I want to thank you for all your time and your expertise and for sharing that with us. I'll make sure that on your show notes page that everything is posted there so people can find you and, and all the comments you've made today. You just log into carsyad.com slash Warren Tracy, and you'll find them right there. So Warren, again, thank you for your time, your inspiration. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thank you so very much, Mark. I appreciate this. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.